Good morning, everyone. Friends, the readings for uh, today, our first reading and our second reading, of the compared to the gospel, the gospel is before the crucifixion and the resurrection. The first reading and second reading are after it. And I bring that up because we see in the gospel reading, the disciples are a little bit confused. They have anxiety. They're upset. That's why Jesus is speaking to them. Do not be overcome. Don't let your hearts feel this way. But then when we look to the first reading and second reading, we see these men are different now. All of them would be different. So something uh, has changed. And they were persecuted for hundreds of years. You know, after the crucifixion, they were persecuted. So even in the midst of these persecutions, and these persecutions continue. You simply have to go and watch the news and see what's happening now on the continent of Africa, where there is a great injustice happening there to many people. But Christians in particular now are under a great duress and under attack there and being murdered. And, but even in the midst of this, uh, you see the faith and the strength of the people. And my friends, our first reading, uh, Luke records the beginning days of the church. So it's, he's, uh, he's giving an account of the early church, and they're beginning to organize and understand. They're beginning to come together organically as a community of a new faith. And he tells about a problem. There is a challenge happening. But what's really important is how they handled it. They handled it. Um, they see the church growing, Christianity is growing, as we would understand it, and they run into problems. And they learned how to figure out their problems in a peaceful and just and swift manner. Now, the, what Luke's recording in this event is that the widows... Widows didn't have an income in their time, so they relied on people, and particularly relied on the church to help them, to feed them and to pay their bills and things like that. So what they're saying is, hey, the women who speak Aramaic are getting more money and more attention than the people who speak Greek. And so they're talking about discrimination. And uh, the apostles said, look, we... Basically, they're saying, we can't handle everything, so we're going to put a committee together, and the committee's going to handle it. This is the other thing. That committee didn't just come together and start talking about things. They went and they fixed it, something that we need to learn about today. Uh, there's lots of committees and commissions. They do a lot of talking, a lot of talking and getting nothing done. <laughs> we see in the beginning. But this is also an example for the church today, how to figure out their issues. But I'll go even bigger this is a way for governors to figure out their issues, how to do it peacefully and swiftly and justly. And what we hear about is the beginning times of the deacons. That's what they're saying. We called seven men, and Stephen is going to be the head of them, and they're going to be looking after the charity of the church and distributing and being just. They lay hands on them. So uh, here we are, deacon. <laughs> um, our second reading is written after the Acts of the Apostles. So this is a little bit later. Uh, and um, there, Peter describes the responsibility and the special dignity of those who claim to be followers of Jesus Christ, those who are baptized. He's saying, you uh, are, have a special dignity now, uh, and uh, with that dignity comes great responsibility. And uh, he said, you'll have to walk in the ways of Christ, and not just think about them, but actually act like he does, and then there's a warning to those 
you were here when he walked, you should have faith, and you don't. There are going to be consequences because of it. And the way he describes the consequences is that they're going to stumble, and they're going to fall, and they're going to be lost in this world. However, if they follow the truth, the way and the light, Jesus Christ, it will be different for them. And part of that is because there will be a community. There is The church is a community. And the community will walk together. And that's another way for the Christian communities now to take a look and say, okay, there's 32,000 denominations of Christians. They're going to have to start coming together, right? So my friends, and here we come now into the gospel. And Jesus is offering words of consolation to his friends and his disciples because this is going to happen. And he's been telling them this is going to happen, and they're not listening to him and they're becoming frightened, and they don't understand. They're confused. So he says, don't let your hearts be overcome. Don't let your hearts be troubled by this. And uh, he says, you have faith in God. Have faith in me also. Faith here, as Jesus would put it, means to believe. And to believe means to have conviction. And when you have convictions, you will believe that what Jesus said he will do. And what he said his father said he would do, you would do. So you can believe in vanilla ice cream, but it's not going to change your life. You see, it's different. Here, Jesus is talking about something very strong. You have faith in my father, have faith in me. He'll say this because Jesus becomes the new religion. He, if he doesn't do this sacrifice and he doesn't come back from the dead... Our faith is fake. But he did come back from the dead. He is resurrected. He is now the way to the Father. So everything hinges on the resurrection. Because if he didn't resurrect, he's no different. But he is different. And that's what this, when he says, you have this belief in my Father, you will need this belief now in me. And that requires conviction. And also that requires trust. Trust how? That he is God. Because he told them, how, do you, how can you say you haven't seen the Father? Philip, have I been with you so long and you do not yet see me? So he's trying to tell them, you're not just seeing any average human being. You are seeing God. So, Trust that he is who he says he is. And my friends, um, our human hearts, uh, we get troubled by many things, and I'm not saying it's wrong, but there is a billion-dollar industry in pharmaceuticals to help us deal with our anxieties. And there are clinical things, but Jesus is saying, if you would believe in me and trust and have conviction, your hearts won't be overcome by so many things. And so he says, so look to me and um, have faith. Believe, be convicted. Do these things. And my friends, again, Jesus' resurrection is the foundation of our Christian faith. And it convinces us that although this seems just absolutely crazy, that it had to happen this way through this execution through his sacrifice, but we will be convicted and have trust in him and his father about the plans. Jesus goes on 
Do not be overcome by this. Do not be paralyzed by these things. I need you to go and do things. But if you're filled with anxiety and hide in a room, it's not going to happen. You can have fear, but don't let it stop you. Don't let it overcome you. That's what he's saying. Don't let your hearts be so troubled by this. And my friends, um, as human beings, I know we, we can be poor and we can be fragile about many things, but when we connect ourselves to Christ, and this is ultimately what he's going to want from us, um, we will have life and vitality. And Jesus makes other statements in today's gospel. He says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And um, my friends, I, I don't want to get into the grammatical piece, but it's important. But um, in the language that Jesus is using, uh, going is a verb, and that verb can also be understood as something else. So to go, but Jesus uses the word in a different way, to do. To do. He's going to do something. I'm going to uh, do something. And throughout this particular gospel, the verb changes. Uh, but when you go and look at the Greek, it, uh, you can see what happens. So it's important because he himself <clears throat> is going to be the way. And uh, as he said, destroy this temple and I will rebuild it in three days. He becomes the temple. He becomes, that's, that's, he is the pathway now. This is part of what he's getting at. And uh, he has to continually point this out to his close friends because uh, they are now feeling abandoned. Because he's saying, I'm going, and they're thinking he's going to go out the door, get on a donkey again, and off into the sunset he goes. But he tries to tell them, can you not see that the Father is in me and I am in the Father? And my friends, this helps us because when we see, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you, and he, he, use, he uses forms of speech, in my Father's house there are, so we humans think of heaven as a little castle. So how are all those hundreds of thousands of people over all these thousands of years going to fit in there, brother? Yeah, I know, exactly. He's like, no, I don't know. And that's because he's not talking about a house. My friends, what Jesus is talking about, he is from the Father. He is going to go back to the Father. And he says, the Father is in me and I am in the Father. What Jesus is talking about, the mansion he's talking about, is the very heart of the Holy Trinity. Father, Son, and Spirit. It's not a building. And besides that, did Jesus make, did God make everything? Everything. The moon, the stars, the Milky Way, all the other universes. That's how there's going to be hundreds and hundreds of millions of people. Because it's not just a castle, but wherever God is, and he's everywhere, that's where his people will be. But ultimately, what Jesus is going to do, he's going to make sure that you have access to the Father, to the very heart of the Father. Now, one day he's going to come back and we're all going to have our bodies back. And we'll let him figure that out, where everyone's going to be. We're probably going to need the whole Milky Way. 
But this is what he's getting at. So we have to open our minds and go bigger. We keep thinking small while God keeps thinking big. We think castle. The father says, no, me. You're going to come. We're going up into his resurrection, his son's resurrection. He now is this for us. And my friends, um, like I said, during the during Jesus' trial and everything, one of the things he gets accused of is saying he was going to destroy the temple and rebuild it. Of course, they didn't know what he was talking about. He was talking about himself. And uh, this is how Jesus does. This is the preparing uh, that he goes to do. And this is how Jesus prepares the place, if you will, for us. After, and he promises, I will return, and when I come back, I'm going to take you to a mansion, no, I'm going to take you where I came from, the heart of the Father. So he lived. It's, it's mind-boggling. Boom. And yet, uh, here is the truth, my friends. And this is how we should understand it. Um, we have to recognize then this thing. And when Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life, he is not talking about a map. Uh, when he says the way, and when he says I am the truth, he's not talking about opinions. He is the truth. What does that mean? I have told you about my Father. This is the only truth that there is. All the other things are opinions. And when he says I am the way, he's not talking about a GPS. <laughs> he says, look to me. I will show you what it is to be the perfect human and to do as my Father wishes from me. And then he finally says, I am life. And we know the scripture says, everything was made in and through him, and nothing exists without him. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. My friends, this is what Jesus said. What he's talking about, eternal life, a life filled with vitality, to the fullest, in the very heart of his Father. This is where Jesus goes to prepare for us. And so, my friends, what about us? I look back to the first and second reading, men who were terrified just before this happens, and when it happens, they're horrified and they're scandalized, even though Jesus had warned them. And then he comes back from the dead. Hello! I make light of it, but I shouldn't, but I'm letting you know. He comes back from the dead. He goes, hello, didn't I tell you? What is the problem? I told you. I told you. A group of unsophisticated men and women back then with many limitations and shortcomings. After the resurrection, they persevered in the faith in spite of being persecuted. And the consequences of their conviction and trust had a lasting impact on this planet. Here we are in 2023. And that Christian faith is still exists. You are his disciples today. So you disciples who live in Tacoma and Gig Harbor and Alala and Purdy, maybe some from Bremerton are here, you have received the same gifts as the original disciples and apostles. You have the same beautiful opportunities and faith. 
Are you using it? Are you using it here? And are you going about in telling others the good news of Jesus Christ? Amen?